To it. it is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 7th day of June 2021, the 78th anniversary of when we knew that D-Day had succeeded. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. And you know what? I owe everybody an apology. I completely blanked on the book drawing. So yeah, yesterday I just totally I amber herded the bed. <laughs> I forgot all about it. So today we have the winner to announce and next week's contest. All will be done at the end of the program. So sorry about that. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and or go to derekhunter.locals.com. You'll see the new books up there and you can go ahead and enter. And I'm getting the stink eye from Bailey. Come here, Bailey. What's up? What do you want to say? Hello. What do you want to say? You just want to say hello, that was it? Yeah. All right. Well, you're going to draw the winner later on, so don't go too far. All right. Until that moment, let us begin. Let's get on with the show. We have a, a lot of ground to cover and lots of things to talk about. I want to start off first with this. this it's amazing to me <clears throat> how the left does what they do, how they can live with themselves. I uh, I mean, they win, so I guess that's comfort. It just, it, when I used to play in Euchre tournaments back in Detroit, back in college, I, I can stack the Euchre deck. And if you don't know what Euchre is, uh, you're, you're missing out. It's the game that, it's the card game that God would play if God played cards. It's just a lot of fun. It's a four-person game. But you only use half the deck. And I can stack half the deck to give myself a loner or my partner a loner like nobody's business. Never once got caught. Never once got caught. Uh, didn't always work, but it usually worked. And we didn't, even when we got the loners, we didn't always win because probably because the other guys were were better at cheating. Sort of there's a, a story that goes around, at least in the Midwest where Euchre is mostly played, that Euchre means cheat. I don't know. But uh, everybody I know who played Euchre cheat. It's sort of part of an unwritten rule of the game. But you do that to give yourself an advantage. In politics, you try to find an advantage, any advantage you can. Um, but you should at least be honest or remotely honest in what you're trying to do, right? It should be fact-based. You should give a complete picture. Anybody can paint half a picture. And if you're not bound by reality, if you're able to lie and willing to lie, you can get away with just about anything you want. And that's what the Democrats are. They don't really have the truth on their side when it comes to guns and gun violence. They just don't. And it's not gun violence, it's human violence by people who have guns. Over the weekend, there were a, uh, as they're calling them, a bunch of mass shootings. The Morning Joe headline, at least 12 dead, and another weekend of mass shootings across America. Oh, my goodness. America is just so violent and awful and horrible and terrible, and oh, boy, howdy. We need to get rid of all the guns. 
the shooting in Tennessee, shooting in Philadelphia, shooting in Michigan, shooting in Arizona, Georgia, South Carolina. Weirdly, they don't list Chicago. I don't know how many shots there were people shot in Chicago, but I bet you it's probably more than all of these people in all of these shootings. But it's, you know, they don't want to talk about Chicago very much. So they'll talk about 15 people killed in mass shootings. They want you to give the, and that's what they call them, mass shootings. They call them that because they want to conflate gang violence and a school shooting. That's what it is. If you look up there, you can find it. I'll retweet it right now. You can find it in my Twitter feed. It, it, it's funny because Larry Krasner, the district attorney in Philadelphia, the prosecutor who does not prosecute, who brags openly about having uh, diversion punishments away from people who are caught with uh, guns before they kill somebody. They, they go to diversion therapy and therefore don't do jail time which means their record is clean, which means they can legally purchase firearms, which is a total scam. Larry Krasner tweeted last night, quote, the terrible crimes last night on South Street tell our Pennsylvania legislators it's about time for real action. Boycott NRA lobbyists, boycott NRA donations, and bring real common sense gun regulation to Pennsylvania now, says Larry Krasner, who again, has gone out of his way not to prosecute gun crimes. Quote, we do not believe that arresting people and convicting them for illegal gun possession is a viable strategy to reduce shootings. End quote. Larry Krasner's office. (laughs) Another one from uh, June 2nd, Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia Fox 29. A former Philadelphia police officer who was hurt during an arrest called out District Attorney Larry Krasner for offering a plea deal to the person who fired at him. Huh. What? Philadelphia Inquirer. You can find thousands of these types of stories. Uh, Under D.A. Krasner, more gun possession cases get court diversionary program. Subheadline statistics from the D.A.'s office show that In Krasner's first year in office, 78 gun possession cases were disposed of in the ARD program, six times more than the prior year. Letting people go. But nope, it's all the fault of the NRA. Don't you understand how this works? (laughs) Well, the video I just retweeted, you can find in my timeline, is... The start of the shooting in Philadelphia on South Street. It is a bunch of youths, youths, not really the target demographic of the NRA, people under the age of 18, people not legally allowed to own firearms. They are all black. No story I've seen has mentioned that. In fact, the stories that I've read from NBC News and what have you, there's fistfights in this video too. You could see stupidly how this sort of stupidity could lead to somebody shooting if you're dealing with dumb people nothing is dumber than a teenage boy doesn't matter what skin color there's nothing dumber than a teenage boy and more self-destructive but to say this is the nra's fault 
This is all the NRA. The NRA, I guarantee you, whenever they find out who did this and they get the gun, if they get the gun for this, it will be a stolen or illegal firearm, not the NRA. And it will likely be somebody who has a criminal arrest record. Like I always say, you don't really start off at the top in your crime career of shooting somebody. You don't just go, oh, you know what? I feel like I'm going to go kill somebody today. No, you build up to it. Sadly, bad parenting, bad friends, bad schools, and it all crescendos into somebody's murder. So whenever they do find the person who did this, I bet you dollars to donuts they will not have an NRA membership card. I'll bet you dollars to donuts that none of the people involved in these shootings will have an NRA membership card. What's funny and telling about this is they don't really talk about who these uh, suspects are. Some of them were arrested. Some of them were not yet. And you would think the ones that were not would have a description of the suspects nearby so that, you know, the public might be able to aid in apprehending the guilty parties who would gleefully shoot at crowds. But curiously, they don't. wonder what that means, huh? Buried in the story, at least it used to be buried. Where is that? There was a, uh, I believe to be gang related. Let me see if I can, st- they might have still edited that because it was in, oh yeah, no, there you go. It's about uh, halfway through the story. The violence might have uh, been gang-related, the Clarendon County Sheriff's Office said in a statement. (laughs) One of the shootings. They don't really give in to any of this. Clarendon, South Carolina, late Saturday, graduation party outside the residence was interrupted by a drive-by shooting that may have involved two vehicles, Sheriff's Office said. A 32-year-old woman struck by gunfire died Sunday. It said seven others, including children ages 12 to 17 and a 36-year-old, were injured. The violence might have been gang-related. I wonder if anybody will cooperate. That's a sure-fire way of finding out whether or not it was gang-related, just like it used to be and still is, I suppose, to the extent that it exists, a sure-fire way of finding out if the mafia was involved. Somebody's shot at or murdered in broad daylight and nobody saw nothing. But these stories from NBC News and from all the other news outlets don't bother to go into those details. This is a story about guns. That's why you can look at, quote, six mass shootings in one story where none get details beyond what I've told you about what's going on in South Carolina. you got that same level-ish of detail with no description of the suspects in all of these stories. Now, it's about a thousand words. How do you cover six events in a thousand words? Well, you give all of them short shrift. That's it. The overarching point is gun violence. Guns did this. Roving band, you know, if there are these autonomous guns out there, that should be the story, right? If you see an AR-15 walking down the street, do not assume that it is a harmless piece of machinery. Assume that it is hunting you. 
sounds stupid when you say it out loud, but that's the impression they're trying to give these people, these readers, that's what they want. It is the inanimate object. It's much easier to blame the inanimate object rather than blame the people. You try and find an inanimate object, what's killing? It's designed to kill. Not really, but it's designed to fire bullets. But the person who's holding it points it at and fires those bullets is what it's designed to do. Targets, animals, what have you. But when you're trying to advance a narrative, you do what the media is doing. They quote Shannon Watts, founder of the group Moms Demand Action. I love how they, she's just the founder of the group Moms Demand Action. She's just a mom who demands action. She's just, you know, a wealthy white suburban mom who happened to have an in with Michael Bloomberg, billionaire, who hates guns and got millions upon millions of dollars to start an organization to try and curtail your rights. Shannon Watts, who is, when she makes public appearances, surrounded by armed guards, does not want you to have the same courtesy uh, because. It's amazing. It's amazing. And listen to how she equates these things. She's trying to conflate all of them. Last month, it was New York, Texas, and California. This weekend, it's Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Hmm. Gang violence versus kids going to school people going to church, and people going to a grocery store. They want to conflate the two. They're going to get away with it? Probably. They definitely will in the mainstream media. They won't hear. But it is worth pointing out that you're being lied to. You're being manipulated. Lies by omission are lies. These things are told to get at you emotionally, to conflate those things. Remember those crying parents. Remember those crying parents. Why, that's the same thing as two drug gangs shooting it out over territory. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's just not. Oh, by the way, um, speaking of California, I love, uh, you know, props to Shannon Watts' PR team for adding California in there, which is much more than the White House doing. Now, Maybe now that we're further away from the Laguna Woods shooting, the White House will start to just count California and refer to California as everybody, oh, California, without really saying what it is. But Joe Biden never went out to Laguna Woods. Joe Biden went to Buffalo because he could make political hay out of that. That was a racist attack, remember? And then they decided that the attack in Texas was not about an insane or evil human being. It was about the gun. The gun made him do it. So Joe Biden went down there. Out in California, Joe Biden, I don't know if he even really, I didn't see a statement. He may have, probably, but it wasn't worth reporting, most likely, about Laguna Woods, where an Asian man from China, Chinese communist sympathizer, killed and shot Taiwanese churchgoers because he's loyal to the Chicoms, and they don't want to be oppressed by Chicoms. They don't want their homeland oppressed by Chicoms. Joe Biden didn't make a trip out there. Joe Biden didn't go out there to comfort and console the victims. He didn't give a damn. When he decided, when his handler, and he doesn't decide anything, when his handlers decided to address the issue of Asian hate, Asian hate, they didn't bring any of the Asian victims from New York or San Francisco who are attacked routinely on the streets there by uh, Democrat voters. They didn't bring them. 
They didn't bring anybody from Laguna Woods, any of the witnesses, anybody traumatized by that. They imported from South Korea the group, the singing group, BTS, which I'll never believe is actually really popular in this country. Not as popular as the amount of media coverage that they get. Just, it doesn't seem, they barely, some of them barely speak English. I'm not sure that Korean pop, I don't know, I know musical tastes are bad, but that it's just so bubblegummy and garbagey. And, you know, I, I have better, I don't, it's not justified, but I'd like to think better of the taste of music of kids today. But Joe Biden brought in a popular singing group from a foreign country to address anti-Asian hate in this country. It was a PR stunt. That was it. He could have gone to Laguna Woods. He refused. And now word comes that this Wednesday he's going to be out on Jimmy Kimmel Live. This will count. It'll be 120 days since his last sit-down interview. It was with Lester Holt before the Super Bowl. And uh, he hasn't done a serious interview since then. They're going to try to pass an interview where Jimmy Kimmel will have his lips pressed firmly against Joe Biden's lily white rear end as a media interview. Joe Biden is traveling out there. I imagine maybe they'll do it via via satellite. But uh, if he goes out there, will he go to Laguna Woods? It's not all that far. He will have flown all the way to the other side of the country for Jimmy Kimmel. You'd think he could take a little drive to comfort uh, these victims. Probably not. Probably not. Aside from a talking point in a Shannon Watts tweet, Laguna Woods was serve proud. It's like it never even happened. It's not useful to Democrats. It doesn't matter. Just like this video I'm telling you to go check out is unhelpful to Democrats. That's why Larry Krasner doesn't mention it. That's why the media won't show it to you. It's about Agenda Uberalis, said in its original German, on purpose, because it's fitting. Let's shift gears a little bit to the climate change myth. There's a lot of news on that front because, well, liberals never rest. They're like a, an octopus or a squid with all those tentacles. They are, each tentacle moves constantly. Now, despite the cartoons, it's not like, well, here's just one tentacle they're all that that octopus is focusing all of its attention on that one tentacle no they can move all of them simultaneously and that is how the left operates on the issue of climate change i've got uh, a little tapestry here to weave if you will i'm seeing this from the irish times see the eu the left always points to, oh europe they're so far ahead of us when it comes to climate change they're so far ahead of us when it comes to climate change uh they can be. Let them go. Who cares? <laughs> They're trying to... Um, what they really want is tax revenue. What they really want is control and tax revenue. And so they're trying to draft things. I don't know why more more countries don't leave the European Union, why there aren't more Brexits. But whatever. It's them, not us. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this term, the Biden administration is trying to get us into the European Union so that he can impose so government can impose all of these sorts of garbage taxes on us but we'll see but they're working on uh, various ways to cut greenhouse gases which is really just to make themselves richer there's no technology sitting there waiting to replace gasoline aviation fuel boat fuel nothing's ready at the go at the jump to replace these things 
But they're saying, well, until they adapt to other things, we're going to have to tax people. It's a matter of control. It's a method of control. You make something more expensive, and then you do it less often. If you own a boat and suddenly it becomes twice as uh, costly to operate that boat, you're probably going to go out about half the time you did the summer before. That's the idea. Now, for the super wealthy, they don't really care. And it turns out, for the super wealthy, they're exempt. Anyway, the uh, Irish Times writes, Executive jets will escape plans to tax polluting aviation fuels according to draft proposals presented by the European Commission. The Commission plans to set an EU-wide minimum tax rate for aviation fuels as it seeks to meet more ambitious targets for flight climate to fight climate change. Now, this is a story from last year, but it'll tie in to all of this. The draft commission's tax proposal takes aim at aviation, which escapes EU fuel taxes. That exemption, quote, is not coherent with the present climate challenges and policies. They're going after aviation, but weirdly, curiously, aviation, not in the way that you understand it. They're exempting private and corporate jets from the tax. They want to go after the commercial flights, the one we peons use. But private jets and corporate jets, no problem. Isn't that weird? Also, by the way, yachts are exempt. Yachts. Now, why would you do that? Unless, of course, this isn't about anything related to the climate it has to do with control. It has to do with revenues. There are far more people who fly commercial than fly private. There just are. There are far more people who take out fishing boats or dinghies or don't go boating at all than there are people who have super yachts. So you're not going to get a whole lot of money from them. You can just exempt them. You can give them a wink and a nod. It's about controlling the peons. You go where the people are. This is why I always say, for all the talk that Democrats always say about raising taxes on the rich, you always have to watch what they define as rich. It's never the millionaires and billionaires. They have accounting firms. They have tax-exempt trusts, their money, they don't get a direct check. They're, they're employees of a corporation that pays for all of their expenses, and they personally get an income of like 10 bucks a year. It is a total and complete scam, the way that they game the system. They can afford to game the system. I remember I first became aware of this in Bill Clinton's administration when he wanted to tax millionaires. I want to raise taxes on millionaires. What was a millionaire? A millionaire was somebody making $250,000 or above. Now, that's not a millionaire. Unless you worked for four straight years without spending a dime or paying any taxes. You're not a millionaire. Bernie Sanders, we got to get the millionaires and the billionaires to pay their fair share. And you're like, oh, wait a second. Millionaires and billionaires. Okay. Why is a millionaire and a billionaire somebody making $200,000 or more? How is that even possible? How did that happen? Well, it's, it's not. But the problem is there aren't enough millionaires and billionaires out there. For all their talk about millionaires and billionaires and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and pretty much every Democrat, oh, they got to pay their fair share. 
There aren't enough of them. There aren't enough of them out there. They don't make their money the way that we do. They don't get a paycheck. So you got to go where the money is. And guess where the money is? The money's in the biggest pot, the biggest pool. That's the middle class. So you creep down what the definition of a millionaire and a billionaire is to the point that you start ensnaring some people in the middle class. And more importantly, you start imposing taxes on other things, not directly. Oh, your income taxes. Democrats are not going to come flat out and raise your income taxes. They'll raise the gas tax. They'll raise the tax on polluting vehicles like cars and boats and planes, provided they're not the really, really rich ones. They'll subsidize the rich people buying their Teslas to the tune of $7,500. But you buying a Honda Accord, eventually you're going to have to pay the piper. Just going to have to. You fly southwest, your ticket's going to go up in price a little bit. It won't be much. It's never much. It's like, well, it's only $2. And you go, well, all right, I guess it's only $2. But then you recognize that in this country, there are probably 150 million people or 150 million flyers, whatever, paying that $2. And suddenly it begins to add up. See, if you, you charge the billionaire corporate jet $100 more per flight, or even $1,000 more per flight, you're never going to, there aren't enough of them to make up the kind of money you'd get by putting a 2 or $3 little surcharge environmental green tax on a Southwest ticket or a JetBlue ticket or a whatever ticket. You're not going to make that much. You're going to make way more money because what? And then an average day there, let's just make up a number, um, 500 private jet flights. There are, what, 15 million people flying on commercial airplanes? Where do you see that going? They always come for the middle class. They always come for the middle class. And they always do it under the guise of the most noble of intentions. Oh, we're doing it to save the planet. We just want to save the planet. What do you want from us? We're trying to, is saving the planet not worth $5 more? Until you realize that you look at your ticket, you look at your phone bill, you look at any utility bill, and you say, wait a second here. There are a million different taxes for everything. You're just finding new and creative ways to get into my wallet. Take a look at your cable bill. There's franchise fees. There's all sorts of right-of-way fees and this tax and the other tax. And there are taxes that are just letters. And you're like, what the hell does this mean? And you don't know. And you need an accountant to figure out what it is. And it's all like, well, this one's only $1.72 a month. What's the big deal? $1.72 a month for 150 million customers across the country. That adds up, doesn't it? So if you say, well, it's $1.72 a month, let's make it $2.05 a month. I mean, they're, they're eating $1.72 and they don't seem to care about it. I'll make it $2.05. If anything, they will go, damn you, cable company, you greedy cable company, you're charging me more. In fact, the cable price hasn't gone up. It's the taxes. Not always. Sometimes cable prices do go up. But you see how they do this. There's the old story of the frog. You throw a frog in boiling water, it'll jump right out. You put a frog in water and put it over a flame, the frog will boil to death without even knowing as the temperature rises. That's kind of what the Democrats are doing 
government does in general to the middle class in taxes. They sneak them along. They don't raise your income taxes. That's political suicide. If anything, they'll let tax cuts expire. So stupid that they do that. Tax cuts always expire. Tax increases are forever. But they never just straight up vote. They'd love to. They just never straight up vote to do it. It's always for the noblest of causes, the environment. So let's get in the Wayback Machine, shall we? I got a couple of videos courtesy of the Media Research Center, Um, a couple of audio clips. They are videos. I recommend you try to find them. They're in, also in my Twitter feed. The um, media back in 2008, and I vaguely remember this. It's kind of funny. The real push, they did like an environmental week on all of the networks. It was weird. It was one of the first times they all coordinated. And it was about climate change, the coming end of climate change. ABC News did their special, NBC, CBS. They all did their own specials. They all predicted doom and gloom in the future. Boy, howdy, you are going to die. And one of these, uh, then the NBC one narrated by Matt Lauer, which will be the second one I'll play. The graphics that they're showing as Matt Lauer is announcing that we're all going to die are hilarious because they show Manhattan flooding. It's like an aerial shot of Manhattan and the sea level rises and uh, the uh, sides of Manhattan just are just engulfed in water. This was by 2015. That's why I want to play. It's 2022 right now. That's seven years ago was 2015. That was supposed to happen by 2015. In fact, both of these specials are about what was going to happen in 2015. They didn't. And that's why I want to do it, because these stories were used to cover activities and justify government usurping power raising taxes, imposing regulations. They were all used for that very purpose, that cause, and it didn't come to pass. This is why they've started making 100-year predictions, because they got sick of acting like idiots every time a 5- or 10-year prediction didn't come to pass. First, we have ABC News. This is a, uh, a montage of their special from 2008 about how the whole planet's just going to hell. We're all going to die because of climate change. In in 2015, we've still failed to address the climate problem. We're going to see more floods, more droughts, more wildfires. Flames cover hundreds of square miles. We expect more intense hurricanes. Well, how warm is it going to get? How much will sea level rise? We don't really know where the end is. Temperatures have hit dangerous levels. Agricultural production is dropping because temperatures are rising. There's about one billion people who are malnourished. That number just continually grows. It's June 8th, 2015. One carton of milk is $12.99. Gas has reached over $9 a gallon. I'm scared right now, but I have to get this out. Yeah, they were right on one thing. The price of gas is approaching $9 a gallon. Milk isn't quite $12, and they were showing like a half gallon. Milk isn't quite $12, but it's getting there. If Biden has his way, if this idiot keeps going on the trajectory, we'll get there. But all of that other stuff didn't come to pass. It's weird, isn't it? 
Now, what are they saying? The right-wingers are trying to scare people. How? How are we trying to scare people? We're telling them that all of human existence is going to be snuffed out if you don't start uh, walking everywhere, riding your bike to work? No, we're not. They were back in 2008, and they were saying it would happen by 2015. Did you live through 2015? I would say that if you're listening to me right now, the odds are better than average. They're better than even that you live through 2015. Next, we've got Matt Lauer. This one is a doozy because not only because it's Matt Lauer, just because it's NBC News. And this is the one where they show New York City being engulfed by the East River and the Hudson River, just water level rising by 2015 again, by 2015. Today, life on Earth is disappearing faster than the days when dinosaurs breathed their last, but for a very different reason. Us Homo sapiens are turning out to be as destructive a force as any asteroid. Earth's intricate web of ecosystems thrived for millions of years as natural paradises. Till we came along, paved paradise, and put up a parking lot. Our assault on nature is killing off the very things we depend on for our own lives. The stark reality is that there are simply too many of us, and we consume way too much, especially here at home. It will take a massive global effort to make things right, but the solutions are not a secret. Control population, recycle, reduce consumption, develop green technologies. <laughs> Put locks on your door that attach to a button under your desk so that women that you don't want to reproduce with but just want to have relations with can't escape your office. Hit that button and lather, rinse, repeat. We have too many people on this planet. What we really need is a good genocide, or dare I say a pandemic? Ooh. This is 2008. Doom and gloom coming by 2015. That was the consensus. That was what science was telling. They were trying to scare the hell out of everybody into obedience at that time. It didn't work. Nothing changed and nothing happened. Weird how that worked. Nothing changed and nothing happened. And what are they doing now? They're going, well, we can't do these five, ten year predictions anymore. We look like idiots. In 100 years, sea level will rise, and eventually New York will be buried. We will bury New York, damn it. We'll do everything we can to destroy New York. Uh, Democrats will destroy it long before any environmental calamity will. But they just changed the timeline. They moved it. They switched it backwards. Why? Because they got sick of looking like idiots. You'd think you'd just stop being stupid, but stupid is their delivery device for their politics. So they just, you know, changed the game. They must have sore backs for moving goalposts. But it goes to show you that if you control the unit of measure, you control everything. I want to actually, you know, I want to shift gears just for a second because I wrote about this in my town hall column on Sunday. And I've noticed it everywhere. Pride. It's Pride Month. I don't really care. I don't care that it's Pride Month. I don't. I, I'm so sick of this garbage being crammed down your throat. I'm a big watcher in my office. At home, I have Apple TV. We don't have, we have cable in the house, but we don't have cable in every room. Apple TV is good enough, right? 
And you have these situations where you can just get these apps. Some apps, some some streaming services you have to subscribe through. Others, you just uh, download it and they'll let you watch their channel for free. It's usually the smaller channels that nobody wants to watch. And sometimes maybe some friends come over and log into their account to show you something. And the autosave of passwords and usernames keeps you in access to those sorts of things the whole time. Whatever it is. A bunch of the logos for the apps are now all rainbowy. They automatically update for June. Oh, they're very excited. It's, it's Pride Month. Now, I'm old enough to remember, and you probably are too, when it used to be called Gay Pride Month. But it's not anymore. It's not about gay pride really at all anymore. It used to be. But now they've got five or six... Uh, what do you call it, uh, Grand Marshals of the New York City Pride Parade. None of them are gay men. Not one of them are gay. Like, how do you do that? And you don't. And you look and you like, read the story here. The, the march will take place on Sunday, June 26th in Manhattan and will feature five Grand Marshals. Social media star T's Madison. T.S. I don't, uh, social media star? Somebody who you got a lot of Instagram followers. And that, that's the best the New York City Pride Parade can come. There are a lot of gay people in New York, a lot of famous gay people in New York. And some social media D-bag is the best you come up with. Transgender former NCAA swimmer Schuler Belair. I don't know who the hell that is either. Don't care. UCLA attorney or ACLU attorney Chase Starango, trans dude. Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live cast member Punky Johnson. I looked up who Punky Johnson. I've granted it's been a while. She's a featured player. She's not a cast member. And Oprah Project Project Executive Dominique Morgan, who's a dude too. So you got four trans dudes, or four, no, four trans women, and a uh, a lesbian. That is the Pride Parade. The LGBTQ. The gay pride parade is so far woke that gay men don't rate anymore. How'd you like to be through such a successful party? You got thrown out of it. You get out of here. You're square. We don't want you here. Leave everybody who's cool behind. The reason I'm bringing this up is because, A, it is Pride Month, and everything is all just like cramming this stuff in your face. Like, give me a damn break. Who cares? How pathetic does your life have to be that you need va external validation? No, somebody pay attention to me. I am my sexuality. You are? That's all? That's that's your biggest point of pride? I'm sorry, but uh, that's sad. But it's also the season for corporate virtue signaling. Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts, Pop-Tarts, Pop-Tarts. yes. Pop-Tarts has a Twitter account. Why? Because why not? They're tweeting out today. It was it today? No, it was over the weekend. It's a whole thread. So now all you gay people, first of all, gay people are in far too good a shape to eat Pop-Tarts, except for the one dude they found to, to design this Pop-Tart. But it is, we are beyond proud. This is from Pop-Tarts. So I believe Pop-Tarts is done by Kellogg's. So we are beyond proud to partner with Neon powered uh, partner with Neon powered by Glad. I don't know what the hell Neon is. 
powered by Glad, to create limited edition neon pink block party lemonade pride box featuring the crazy good and crazy joyful designs of queer illustrator Thaddeus Coates. I assume the dude, he's overweight, but wearing skinny jeans. It's just, the whole outfit is unfortunate. And the, like, strawberry beret. Dude, you gotta go for the raspberry beret. Show some love for Prince or something. I assume this this is um, Thaddeus Coates. But is he really, like... What do you do? I'm a queer illustrator. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're gay. Okay, congratulations on that. But you're an illustrator, right? No, no. I'm a queer illustrator. What's the difference? I don't know. I only get jobs to virtue signal. I get paid, highly paid corporate gigs to virtue signal. <laughs> like the, the box. You're designing Pop-Tarts box. I don't know whether to congratulate uh, Thaddeus Coates or say, dude, don't worry. Maybe next year you'll somebody will pay you to design, to paint on a canvas or something. Said so celebrating this is the whole thread by Pop Tarts. Celebrating community, or celebrating a community that's all about staying true to yourself. This everybody else is a, you hear that you're a damn fraud. Pop Tarts thinks you're a damn you're perpetrating a fraud. All the rest of us, we people who aren't gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, uh, gender fluid, whatever the hell else there. Everybody else is just a whole bunch of fakes. They're the only people staying true to themselves. Well, frankly, to engage in a lot of that activity, you really got to pot commit for my money. That's just me. Celebrating a community that is all about staying true to yourself, this box features the first ever, and first ever is in all caps, so you know they're totally for serious, first ever Pop-Tarts to include custom frosting designed by an independent artist. <laughs> what? Now it's funny. It's, uh, the frosting, if it's like the box, because nobody, I, they don't see the uh, the picture of the pop tart. They don't show the pop tart. But on the on the box, there is a pop tart where there's uh, two people dancing, two characters, two illustrations dancing. Both are uh, illustrations of color. Both are wearing various uh, types of pride flags on their shirts and so apparently white gay people can go to hell because uh, queer illustrator Thaddeus Coates is also a man of color by the way so you gotta get rid I don't know what the message they're trying to send is but it is funny as hell because at the end of the thread there's another picture of who I think is Thaddeus Coates and there's a whole, good Lord, is there a whole GLAD team that helped? We'll get to that in a second. But every one of them is is non-white. So white Pop-Tart eaters, you're not welcome. Especially gay ones, you're not welcome. It's not very inclusive. So the first ever Pop-Tarts to include custom frosting designed by an independent artist. Starting today and then every Friday during Pride Month, we'll drop 450 boxes of neon pink block party lemonade Pop-Tarts exclusively on the Pop-Tarts Instagram shop for just $5. Great. Obesity on sale today. Diabetic coma. Come and get it. This collab... Collab. That's how you know Pop-Tarts is cool. They can't be bothered with the last few syllables of words. This collab supports local biopic, meaning black indigenous people of color. So it really is. It ain't for you, Whitey. 
um, LGBTQ groups that foster inclusive communities across the country. Now, you got to love this because in the under the guise of inclusion, they're being exclusive. <laughs> they're being exclusionary. Everybody, if, you, if you're not black or indigenous or people of color, which does not count Asians, Asians get their own designation. And really, Hispanics do too. So like, this is just for black people and Native Americans. Everybody else can go to hell because we're fostering inclusiveness across the country. Go to hell, everybody who doesn't conform to this. We're celebrating inclusion here. Oh, okay. The four community partners, the Bronx is reading, Destination Tomorrow, Nobody's Darling, and the Salt Eaters Bookshop. The possibilities there are endless. Will each receive a $10,000 grant to further their missions. Neon and Glad will also receive $100,000 grant to continue accelerating acceptance of the LGBTQ plus and biopic communities. Now think of it this way. When was where are gay people not accepted? There's never been a better time to be gay. Is there you you're just you decide something is homophobic and you can get the army of flying monkeys after it and suddenly everybody's canceled. You can get the most popular comics in the world attacked on stage in front of thousands of people. Somebody tries to kill them and the charges are eh, trespassing. Eh, we won't even bother. Don't worry about the murder charge. The guy's already charged with attempted murder someplace else. So it can't say it's so beyond the pale. He would never harm, harm a fly. He already tried to kill somebody else. He goes charging at Dave Chappelle with a knife and they go, well, it, that could be interpreted in so many ways. Who knows? You know, he could have had a, a loose thread on his jacket and this guy was just trying to cut it off. We're just going to play it safe and charge him with uh, misdemeanor trespass. God. Yeah, no, it's it's so horrible. You can tell how oppressed and how in the closet gay people are by the fact that every company in the world, every television network in the world is running nonstop ads about, oh, it's oh, so super pridey. The Disney Channel on their app you go and log into the Disney Plus app, and there's a LGBTQ voices. Yeah, all right. Well, geez, would that I were so oppressed if I had it so bad. You log into Netflix. You log into Apple iTunes. You log into everything. And they say, oh, here, uh, click here to find out gay voices. Why? I'm not gay. Nothing against gay people. I just, I figure you got this covered, all right? I'm going to talk about the crap that people go through. There you go. This is from iTunes. I'm looking at my iPad right now. LGBTQ plus life belongs on screen. Like what? Yeah, it belongs on screen. Throughout the long quest for acceptance, it's been up to members of the LGBTQ plus family to define their sense of belonging. From ballrooms to street festivals, these communities have defiantly created spaces for love and joy. <laughs> Quote, If you don't see yourself represented, then go out and represent yourself, says Murray Hill of Somebody Somewhere. He's one of the guest curators joining us for Pride, including For All Mankind's Jody Balfour. 
Quote, it's that feeling of being utterly seen, a brief moment of, I'm like that too, that fuels you, she shares. More and more, that freedom is being reflected on screen in stories told by, for, and about people across a spectrum of sexual and gender identities. Join us in celebrating this festival, this festive march towards progress with the stars and creators leading the way. Well, I ain't gay. I don't fit into the alphabet soup. And it says right there, this is by and for people who need desperate external validation for their existence based solely seemingly on their genitals and which genitals they like. In other words, pretty pathetic people. If it were a party I were invited to, I would decline to attend. But they're saying we ain't invited. I ain't invited. If I'm not uh, down with them, then, uh, or if I'm not one of them, I'm not welcome, which is fine. But I do love the idea, this idea that you finally... People are being represented. Click here to look at all these pride and all these gay-themed movies, and you go, yeah, that one won an Oscar. The other one won an Oscar. All this stuff is like nonstop in your face. TV shows, winning Emmy. They're all over the place, all right? If you really want to get down to it, gay people and some of my best friends are your family members who are gay. I couldn't care less. I'm just sick of this culture thing that they're cramming in our throats. They are overrepresented if you really want to get down to it. Now, the left is always obsessed with, well, some communities are being hit and other communities are being hit harder than others, especially black women and trans women of color or whatever. They always throw in that especially. And uh, when COVID was raging, the uh, the argument at the beginning was uh, minorities are being particularly hard hit as if somehow, what, do you got to go infect some more white people or something like what do you... What are you getting at? They're very concerned about that sort of stuff. The gay population is between 2 to maybe 3% of the population. I would say they're between 10 and 15% of the characters in television and movies. Unnecessarily so in most cases. But there they are. Because you don't go, well, that guy's clearly heterosexual. No, unless he's out picking up chicks all the time, his sexuality isn't really relevant. So, if anything, they're overrepresented. But don't worry, now they've got the gay Pop-Tart. So, there you go. And the final tweet in the Pop-Tart thread reads, Special thanks to Neon Glad team who helped create this box. And then there's a whole list of them. It took one, two, three, four, five, six people in addition to the artist to create a box. How many people does it take to create a Pop-Tarts box? You got, I thought that it was the design of queer illustrator Thaddeus Coates. Why the hell does he need six or seven other people with him? So if you're white and gay, you're still going to have to wait. You will not find yourself represented on a Pop-Tarts box this year. Um, there's always next year, but I suspect somebody else will win. It'll be trans box next year. And they're just going to get rid of the G. The LG. The G is gay. Kind of being being cut out there. If you're not trans, you're not welcome. It's amazing. We come a long way, baby. <laughs> you throw a party and you get thrown out of it. Congratulations, guys. I want to now talk about the... Uh, the well, an interesting bit of audio came my way at the end of last week. Didn't get a chance to play it on the show. So I will play it for you now. It is of Karine Jean-Pierre. 
Karen Jean-Pierre says we're talking about LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ. Did you know that she's both black and gay? Swear to God. True story. She is both black and gay, therefore she is historic. It's just that she's historically bad. Um, She was asked last Friday about who is it that's telling the president about the uh, situation here with the baby formula. Who was it that, you know, was supposed to brief him, did brief him? Because they're trying to figure out when the president found out. They knew about it. There are news reports back all the way to December that there's going to be baby food shortages, or could be. And uh, nobody knows whose job it was to tell the president of the United States about this. The president said that he acted as soon as he heard about this, two weeks ago and when that was when he was just starting to act so theoretically it would be hey we've just discovered about this but then we found out that he has known about this since the beginning of april which he admitted last week so the question is hey we need to figure out what's going on here. Who told the president what went the famous question, what did the president know and when did he know it? So you're not allowed to ask those types of questions when it comes to Democrat. So Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about this. She's actually pressed about this. It was a bit of a random journalism, accidental probably, but real journalism done, I believe by Kelly O'Donnell, NBC, I think she's NBC News about, you know, who's telling the president, if the president just found out, who's, we'd like to talk to, we'd like to find out at least, who's supposed to tell the president, who allegedly told the president, and therefore eventually wonder when the hell it took him so long. And Karine Jean-Pierre, who is historic, I mentioned she's historic, right? She ain't giving up that name no matter what. You can imagine whoever is in the background white-knuckling it going, God, please don't let her give up my name. Please don't let her give up my name. You can imagine they're terrified at the prospect. But, you know, she sticks to her guns. We'll see if she gets continually pressed on this. She should, but uh, we'll see if it goes away. To say there is no specific person is not a satisfactory answer. When you have senior uh, assistance to the president, mm-hmm. there's a paper trail, I'm sure, about briefings to the president. There's a domestic policy council. There's a chief of staff. At some point, we need to know who would have been the most likely person to talk to him. I think what, what I'm trying to say, there's so many issues that come up uh, that is presented so to the president. As you know, you've covered, you've covered many administrations. And there are just regular channels that, that happen that it go to the president. It like it's evasive mm-hmm. to not have the most senior people in the White House willing to say, I had a conversation with the president about it, or, I had, or we talked about it in this context or that context. And we're also all reporting on the consumer side of it, of what you're doing, of putting out and trying to get information. But we're also trying to understand the information flow in this White House. And it's important for us to get that answer, which is why we're going to keep asking it until we get that answer. No, you have every right to keep asking. That's why I'm here. Look, 
really, Kelly-O, he's briefed on countless priorities. Uh, he is the President of the United States. There are regular channels. Uh, he is briefed by his senior White House uh, staff. Um, and that is just the so process that we have. Staff, then? I, I'm, I'm not going to confirm who it was. I'm just letting you know that there are regular channels that we use. Um, and, uh, you know, it's senior, again, senior White House staff that when elevate issues to him uh, when the time comes. And they're just regular channels. And that's that's what I have for you, for you to share. That. So you heard uh, their White House spokesmodel. She's historic. Have I mentioned that Karine Jean-Pierre is historic? Because she's historic. She's historic out there talking about we're not going to say who's telling the president or whose job it was to tell the president any damn thing about anything related to baby formula. It's quite telling. You can tell people are not proud of what they're doing, what their job is, what their actions are supposed to be, if they won't put their name on it. Now, it has to be somebody up there pretty high up to put the fear of God into the spokesmodel for the president of the United States, because <laughs> you can tell she does not want anybody to know that name, which to me means that it's probably Ron Klain, the chief of staff, the president's chief of staff. That you're sitting there going, why wouldn't you tell? It's the only person, the chief of staff is the obvious choice because the chief of staff is the conduit through which all information of the president of the United States flows, or at least is supposed to. Some, you know, the Trump administration, Donald Trump was sort of his own chief of staff. It became a bit of a mess. You need somebody strong in that position to be able to... Um, decide what the president needs to know needs to be involved with and can you know relax about and other people the staff that the president is supposed to trust can handle donald trump wanted to be involved in everything and sometimes it was for the good sometimes it wasn't especially when he was just commenting on it. i think he ran things just fine i think the commenting on everything was was problematic because it distracted from what was important and gave way too much fodder to his political enemies so Karine Jean-Pierre is doing the right thing in her job description and the political aspect of it by protecting the president from, well, the president's chief of staff from exposure. But they're not really serving the president all that well. The chief of staff more than likely is not telling the president important things because Ron Klain doesn't think they're important or Ron Klain doesn't see how they're important. If Ron Klain isn't the person who is responsible for keeping the president of the United States in the dark about the situation with baby formula, then I would suggest that Ron Klain needs to be fired because Ron Klain is not out there doing his damn job. Or somebody else underneath Ron Klain needs to be fired because that means that somebody, nobody, anybody is out there making sure that Ron Klain is getting the information needed to be able to tell the President of the United States. You see, if you're the conduit through which this information flows, then boy, how do you damn well better make sure that that information is flowing to you? You're the one who stops it. If somebody's deciding you don't need to know this stuff, then there's a problem. There's a big, big problem. I kind of find it funny, I hope. <laughs> I hope that all sorts of heads, heads roll on this. I'm a... Look, they're disserving the president of the United States. The president of the United States is disserving the country. I don't think that even on their A game, they're going to do much better, to be perfectly honest with you, because I think that what they want to do is bad. But 
it's worth pointing out that these people are doing a horrible job. And by the way, it's not just Karine Jean-Pierre who's running desperately trying to scramble and make sure that, oh, no, we can't have anybody find this stuff out or what have you. The Secretary of Commerce. Now, you would think in a situation where, you know, baby formula is related to it's, you know, commerce, right? The purchase of it, what have you. You'd think the Secretary of Commerce would be involved in this. But no. Well, so she says she appeared on State of the Union with Jake Tapper on uh, Sunday. Her name is Gina Raimondo. She is the former governor of the state of Rhode Island. Why was she picked? Who the hell knows? Honestly, why would I go look at the, the person at the at uh, Rhode Island, the governor of Rhode Island. When was the last time that Rhode Island mattered? No offense to people in Rhode Island, but honestly, your governor. But she's a woman, so she checked a box. Joe Biden probably knew her because he, he seems to know all the white liberals along the eastern seaboard, and he appointed her to be the Secretary of Commerce. Gina Raimondo was asked about the baby formula shortage as Secretary of Commerce. And what's funny is she makes it clear she wasn't in town that month. She had nothing to do. They are running like rats from a sinking ship on this thing. It's kind of funny. Listen to it. President Biden this week said he didn't learn about the severity of the infant formula shortage until April, but problems first emerged back at the Abbott plant back in October of 2021. An industry executive said they knew how bad this could get when the plant closed in February. You're the Secretary of Commerce. When did you first learn of this problem? Uh, I first learned about it, you know, uh, a couple of months ago. So this is uh, this is, so a, this is a difficult issue, but uh, yes, probably April. I'm not involved in the administration's response here. I should say, but I think they're doing a very good job. <laughs> I love it. I'm not involved in the administration's response. I wasn't even in town that month. It's not me, man. Don't look at me. I'm not in town. I didn't have anything to do with that. You're the Secretary of Commerce. You found out about it a few months ago. It was, it was so disinteresting to you that you, even if you weren't involved, you couldn't be bothered to go, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm kind of concerned that babies might starve, that they might suffer severe malnutrition. Maybe I should get involved. Maybe I should follow up on this. But no, nope. <laughs> it's like I. So you found out about it roughly the same time the president did, but you didn't give a damn. Is that your that your you have no powers in the commerce commerce department at all? No levers you could pull. No no strings you could. No calls you could make. Nothing could be done. You're just, oh, well, the hell with it. It's not in my department. It's not. How many people know somebody like that? It's not in my job description. I ain't going to do that. It's not in my job description. It's the ultimate politician covering their own rear end. Uh, just one for the record that I'm, I'm not involved in this. Which, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, the Biden administration was pretty unambiguous that this was their top priority. And it was a matter of all hands on deck. And we'd been told that from the get-go, everything that could be done is being done. And everybody, all this, everybody, it's literally an all hands on deck. It was a whole of government approach. And you're telling me the Secretary of Commerce 
couldn't be bothered. The Secretary of Commerce is like, well, I'm not really interested in that. Let's just be quiet. No, they didn't call on me in that meeting about baby formula. That technically means I'm not involved. So I'm going to just pretend that I didn't hear anything. All right. We'll just slink out of here and let them all figure it out. I don't know what kind of crises a governor of Rhode Island might face, but it's probably a pretty damn good thing that this woman is no longer the governor of Rhode Island should anything major arise because she clearly wants to run away from it. She clearly wants nothing to do with any of it. Hey, man, I wasn't even in town that month. I'm not, for the record, Jake, I want you to note, and I want everybody in your audience to know that I I would like to have a political future. I did not have anything to do with the baby formula thing. It's such a political answer. It's such a politician's answer. I wasn't in town that month. Rather than, I'm going to do everything. Get up. You want some respect, Secretary. Stand up and say, you know what? It's not my department. It's not my thing. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to work tirelessly to resolve this issue. I'm not going to sit idly by. We're going to throw. We've been through now because it's too late now. But if uh, I have been throwing everything the Commerce Department has. The Commerce Department ain't nothing. All right. The Constitution gives the federal government the power to regulate trade amongst the states and regulate commerce in this country. You're that person. And you're going to, uh, just for the record, Jake, I just want it known that uh, it was not me. It shall not be me. It will never be me. Okay? We cool? We cool? You you understand that, right? This is a complete and total administration of dunces. This is a group of people who love all the trappings of power, who love all the little things that come with it, the perks. The, oh, man, we get driven to work every day. They get uh, never have to pay for a meal. They're getting a pension. They're getting, you get your, well, you can buy your chair in the cabinet room when you're done. It'll have your little nameplate on the back. Forever, you will be noted as a secretary. You'll be referred to as a Mr. or Madam Secretary for the rest of your life, unless you do something else. But that's it. It's a boy, howdy, it's a sweet gig. But the second some responsibility comes along with it, they all run. They all scatter like mice when you just turn the kitchen light on or threw a cat in the room. No, no, wait, wait, no, no, no. no, no. I want the glory. I don't want to be responsible for any of this stuff. No, 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 no. Thank you, sir. I want it known that it's their fault. You can imagine a a Biden cabinet meeting. It's a whole bunch of people sitting around an oval-shaped table going, it's probably that guy's fault over there. Certainly in me. It was that guy down. Or maybe that uh, lady over there. She might be historic, but she's probably not all that good at her job either. Unbelievable. Well, actually, it is totally believable. You really sit down and think about it. When you've got the senile commander-in-chief, he wouldn't remember the meeting anyway. Now, I find it funny that the Secretary of Commerce is somebody who won't take any responsibility. And she really is, because she was, like I said, there was a whole bunch of topics that they covered on State of the Union with Jake Tapper. And it was kind of funny, because she, I don't understand the fascination with the media, and I'll give them credit, I guess, for sort of being semi-consistent on this, 
but they love it when politicians admit they were wrong. For whatever, I don't, I don't get it. They, they remind me of some of the girls I've dated. They love it when somebody admits that they're wrong. And uh, so the politicians recognize that, and they don't want to give their opponents any opportunity to say, well, this person's been wrong before. Why would you ever trust this person? So they don't admit it. They act like they're Arthur Fonzarelli trying to uh, you know, avoid saying I was... Remember that? I was... And somebody go, you are wrong. And you go, yeah, that's it. The uh, Commerce Secretary Gina Riamondo was asked about inflation. And Jake Tapper points out that Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, has done a big mea culpa. It's kind of funny because... Part of being a cabinet secretary is at a moment's notice, you have to be willing to eat a giant poop sandwich on behalf of the president, right? To protect the president from themselves. That's just how it is. It's, that's your job. You're to throw yourself on any grenade that comes in the room. You're to make sure that you protect the president. You work for the president. You serve at the pleasure of the president. The president was elected. You were not, etc., etc., etc. Well, she was asked about inflation, and Jake Tapper reminded her that she was wrong about inflation, too. And will you apologize? And uh, she's not. She's not going to do that. She won't do that. You heard Secretary Yellen this week said she got it wrong about inflation. In July, you told Bloomberg that inflation would be temporary about a year ago. As recently as six months ago, you were calling inflation a, quote, short-term problem, not a long-term problem. So you got it wrong, too. You got it wrong, too. Yeah, good morning. Good to be with you. Um, so clearly, we are and Americans are struggling with inflation. Uh, but I don't think anyone predicted Putin's war uh, in Ukraine or various other things that have happened that have been unexpected. I still think, uh, you know, we will get inflation under control. We just have to stick with it and see it through. Yeah, no, well, you were wrong about inflation. Well, I don't think anybody predicted Putin's war. I don't think anybody predicted, well, yeah, um, that doesn't have any, it was a year ago people were saying inflation, inflation, inflation. And you were all saying no, 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 no. Now that's more than a year in advance of Putin's war, Putin's invasion of of Ukraine, long before that. So I don't think anybody predicted, yeah, okay, well then what about the previous 10 months when you guys were saying, no, 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 it's, uh, inflation is only temporary, don't worry about that. I don't know how people live with themselves. Honest to God, they're all a whole. They're all children. They they broke the vase, and they're all going. No, 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 no. I didn't break the, the vase. Gravity. If you really want to get down to it, it was the the hardwood floor and gravity. You want to uh, you want to find the culprit who's responsible for the breaking of that vase. You take it up with God. You leave me out of it. All I did was twirl around in the kitchen until I hit it with my hand. You know, where's the uh, where's the interior designer who put this lovely vase so close to the point where I could twirl and hit it with my hand? I ask you that. That that monster needs to be brought to justice. That's there's a whole administration of these people. It's, it's unbelievable. And what's funny is in order to prop up Joe Biden and prop him up there desperate to do. 
in order to prop up Joe Biden, they had to turn on Obama. The last time there was a recession, last time there was economic problems, economic debt, the Democrats love the, it's the worst recession since the Great Depression, or it's the worst economy since the Great Depression. It's a lie, but they tell it because it sounds good. They, they live by historical landmarks. History starts yesterday for them, and unless they can use it in any way, shape, or form. Why, January 6th was nothing more than a civil war. It was just like worse than 9-11. Really? Really? They're idiots. But uh, Secretary Gina Raimondo, the Commerce Secretary, was asked about the economic recovery. And you have to try and polish a turd. You have to. That's part of the job, no matter how stupid you look. But I can tell you right now that the, the Biden administration taking this course of action, if they adopt it, and I suspect that uh, Secretary Raimondo will be admonished for doing this, but um, she calls points out really the horrible prolonged slow dragging worthless recovery in the biden administration or the obama administration the obama biden administration technically that's a no-no you are not supposed to point out economic realities or any realities about the obama administration he is beyond criticism. So I'm sure she's catching hell for this. But it's true. The Obama recovery was the slowest recovery really on record. It never fully recovered until Donald Trump came in. She points out, she doesn't say the Obama recovery. She just points out to the years. And I'm sure that Barry Obama, with his big ears, picked up on this. And believe you me, there whatever mansion... Barack Obama is in today has a phone line burning up to the White House demanding that this not become a talking point. We're talking about two critical issues here that directly affect the American people where they live, where the Biden administration looks like it was caught flat-footed. Inflation and baby formula, not to mention the record gas prices, which were hurt by the war in Ukraine, no doubt, but that's not the only reason why they're so high. Why does it seem the Biden administration is consistently playing cleanup on these problems that are playing out exactly as many experts forecast they would instead of heading them off before they become a crisis? So, again, I mean, that's one way to look at it. But I want to go back to the basic facts. Right. I was the governor of Rhode Island during COVID. It's a state of a million people, and we had over 100,000 people collecting unemployment. We had people getting kicked out of their homes because they couldn't afford the rent. Because of the president's leadership, we are the, America is back to work. Wages are increasing. The labor market is strong. People ha- have not been thrown out of their homes. We are not seeing the anemic and very painful economic recovery that we experienced in 2009, 10, 11, 12, and 13 after the last, you know, economic uh, slowdown. The anemic and very painful recovery of Barack Obama. Now, if you went back and checked the tape, you would find that Barack Obama was bragging about that. Oh, boy, howdy, was the economy booming. He saved us from the brink of collapse to hear them tell it. That's what they told us. That's, that was literally the case they made for Hillary Clinton is we managed to stave off another Great Depression all because of our wonderful policies 
that you know saw the lowest grade. It was never a, never really had a, a 3% growth year. 3% growth. It was pathetic. And we were admonished every time we said, well, no, 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 no. Barack Obama saved us from the Great Depression. They had to create jobs saved or created as a unit of measure to try and claim some semblance of success. And they go, no, 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 no. Job. We saved or created so many jobs. Well, no, you saved, you can't prove, can't disprove. Uh, and you only created that because you can't say you created any jobs. I'm sure, I am positive, knowing his ego, that Barack Obama is displeased, to say the least, with Gina Raimondo over at Commerce. And I suspect that this will mean that she will not, they have to probably keep everybody until after the midterms. But after the midterms, watch for the Commerce Secretary to go to the way of the dodo. Thou shalt not speak ill of Barry Soweto, ever. I want to play you really quickly a piece of audio just to demonstrate what's wrong with our education system. This is a third grade teacher. Since we're talking about Pride Month a minute ago. This is a third grade teacher talking about how her student, one student came up and said, oh, I want to grow up to be a lesbian just like you. They're so proud of themselves. If you are a visibly out teacher, you need to keep doing what you're doing because it matters and it is making a difference. Because on the last day of school, I had a student come up to me and say, Miss B, when I grow up, I want to be a lesbian like you because you are awesome. And you know what? That felt so good. It's so important for students to see representation and to see like, hey, she's doing okay. I know I'll be okay. That's the safe space. That is what we should all be working for. Third. No, you should be trying to teach kids. You should be trying to teach kids. You should be fired, quite frankly. Your sexuality should never come up at all. Straight, gay, whatever. Pan, liquid, whatever it's called. It should never be an issue. Teach the kids. A third grader came up. What this is really about is about this narcissistic chick in the video going... I found validation today. Well, you're a pathetic individual if you're looking to third graders for validation. I've I've been told that it's not a choice. You're born that way. So if a third grader comes up and says, I want to grow up to be a lesbian like you without any understanding what a lesbian is, that's that's an insult, isn't it? Isn't that exactly what we're told isn't possible? These people need to get the hell away from kids. These people need to get the hell away from teaching. It doesn't seem like teaching is her priority. Desperately needing validation from children is her priority. Pathetic. Dangerous. Grooming. Before I run out of time and before I forget, I try to mark the anniversary of D-Day every year, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. There's certain things where I'm a World War II nut, particularly the the war in Europe. D-Day was perhaps our finest hour. And so I just want to play 78 years ago today, the hundreds of thousands of allied forces, the biggest naval activity in history, uh, marched across, floated across the English Channel and invaded. Some, depending on where you landed, some met no resistance or little resistance, and then others 
met the resistance that we all know and the horrors that awaited them on those beaches. And uh, as they were crossing the, well, as before they crossed the English Channel, the commander, uh, the supreme allied commander, Dwight David Eisenhower, one day to be president, had a message. Now, he also had a message that he wrote, thankfully he never had to deliver, in case things went bad, in case it didn't work. If the allies were repelled, the war was... The war effort was severely damaged, if not destroyed, if the invasion was repelled. Imagine having to draft that, be ready, just in case, to put, have that on your shoulders. With that on his shoulders, he did write and deliver this message to the troops before they went off. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the Great Crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man-to-man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home front, have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Amen. And we got the the blessings of Almighty God in that. 78 years ago today, they went and they can't hear that enough. It's especially the way that liberals rewrite history. I'm sure that in a couple of years, the New York Times will launch another you know, 1945 project or something talking about how everything was horrible and racist and awful and awful and awful and all the garbage that they do because they're really bad people. Just, yeah, just being honest, they're really, really bad people. Speaking of really bad people, I want to play you this clip from Morning Joe. <laughs> it's something to behold, Morning Joe. Joe himself is talking about the AR-50. He's made it his personal mission to make sure that nobody but him owns an AR-15. I'm sure he owns an AR-15 or something, something more powerful. But it is the way to keep your contract at MSNBC. Whatever the cause du jour is for the left, you have to care deeply and intimately and absolutely crusade for. No matter what position you held before, no matter what things you've said publicly, everything has to turn on a dime because narrative. They need uniformity of narrative. And so Joe this morning is talking about the AR-15, and he says it's, it's deadlier than an M-16. 
have any M16 is what they gave to soldiers when they went to Vietnam. If you go to any Vietnam veteran and you offer them say hey, you know, we'll send you back in time and we'll send you over to Vietnam not with your M6 M16, we'll send you over with an AR15. They would beat the hell out of you because it's the AR15 is a semi-automatic weapon. It is nowhere close to helpful or or as deadly as an M16 that the military uses. But Joe is convinced that most people don't know and don't care. Listen to him. A military-style weapon designed for war. And I've said this before. I said it a couple weeks ago. I'll say it again. This style weapon deadlier than what we had our soldiers carry around during Vietnam. But we actually have one political party in America that will not allow us to do anything to move forward to give police officers the ability to go in. <laughs> yeah, no, the AR-15 is is worse. It's is well, no, no, you you want to use the uh, that's worse. It's the worst gun ever made, ever under any circumstances, ever made. Way worse. No, the AR-15 is a semi-automatic weapon. But he keeps making this claim. Apparently, he said before. I I didn't see it before, but he keeps making this claim. Oh no no, it's. Uh, and it, it, it's quickly how it's amazing how quickly this has become the talking point. Remember Joe Biden last week? Well, the nine millimeter will blow your lung completely out of your body. How's that work, Joe? No, no, no. Look, that twenty-two. You get shot with twenty-two. You won't even notice it. You can go to work that that day. But the AR-15 with a nine millimeter, it'll it'll rip your uh, rip your head clean off out of your body and will set your I- internal organs on fire. What? I don't know who is advising these people over at MSNBC, but it is. They should be fired. They should be fired. They're the same types of people who advise on movie sets where they have an Uzi that clearly has like a a 30 round magazine in it and they never reload. They got a 20 minute shootout and they never. Don't you love that in movies when nobody ever reloads? Nobody comes like, hey, uh, that gun, right? That pistol just shot at least 14 people. And it's not an extended magazine. It's just a regular old nine or 10. And like you just shot and you missed some of the times you shot like 30 rounds and you took out the bad guy. And now, now, you. Went, of course, only when it's dramatic, are they sitting there behind the half wall going, I've only got two bullets left and there's three bad guys. What am I going to do? Well, keep using the magical bullets you've been using. But that ain't the way that the world works, Joe. Just because Arnold Schwarzenegger held a gun in a movie or something that looked like... And you heard Joe gave away the, the store when he said military-style weapons. Military-style weapons. Well, what the hell is a military-style weapon? Well, a military-style weapon is black. It's a flat black and it's got a barrel shroud, and it's got a, you know, not a scope, but a a sight there, maybe two of them, and it's got, 
all the things that you see in movies, all the things that you see in the military, a military style weapon. So maybe they just need to redesign the AR-15 to be purple and pink camouflage or something like that. Maybe it'll stop lunatics from buying them too. But I will point out that the vast majority of murders, somewhere in the neighborhood of 90%, that involve guns in this country involve handguns. Not, you know, I guess the military uses them too, but listening to these people on the left talk, you would think they'd at least have some curiosity and want to educate themselves a little bit before they talk about something so they don't look like idiots. But you'd be wrong. They are idiots. You know, I'm just, we're running out of time here, so I'm going to save the uh, my chat about the January 6th panel tomorrow, for tomorrow. I do love this idea. Oh, we've got to make a made-for-TV event to get people interested in this thing. And they're working with a former former president of ABC News. You want to talk about give it away the game. The former president of ABC News joining up with the Democrats and the uh, liberal Republicans to try and get the American people to think that what they're doing is serious. It's just, it, we don't care, dude. It ain't the packaging, it's the content, okay? We saw what happened. We saw that the only person killed was Ashley Babbitt. No matter how many times Joe Biden repeats the lie that two police officers were killed, and how many times the media says, Brian, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the officer was murdered by those... Pre-. It doesn't make it true. It's never going to make it true. We simply don't care, Okay. When you see an advisor to Trump being taken off a plane and brought into court in shackles and leg irons for contempt of Congress, when the former attorney general, Democrat Eric Holder, never faced any charges whatsoever, you go, a little bit of different justice, a little bit of separate things. You see the former head of the CIA and the director of national intelligence commit perjury before Congress. But they did it for the right cause. They did it against Donald Trump, so it's okay. They did it against Republicans, so it's all good. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, uh, any Roger Stone gets a SWAT hit on his house at 5 in the morning. Really? That's cool? That's okay with you? It is a separate system of justice. And if whoever the next Republican president does not order the Justice Department to just simply, you don't even have to do it in a political way. You say, hey, I want the crimes investigated and I want criminals treated the same way, any suspected criminal. I want all the suspects treated the exact same way that Democrats treated Republicans. Let's let's get a few of them arrested. Let's see. A raid at Hunter Biden's house. I bet you if you toss Hunter Biden's house, you'd come up with some some drugs for sure, probably a couple of weapons. He's already lied on a federal firearms license application. So why isn't he prosecuted for that? You know that the two lawyers, lawyer, these are lawyers, who were arrested by the uh, up in New York for passing out Molotov cocktails to try to give to get people to kill police officers and just let that sink in. They're trying to they were trying to pass out Molotov cocktails to kill police officers, to rioters, to BLM Antifa rioters. They had cut a plea deal already 
that would they were facing up to 30 years in jail. They cut a plea deal that was likely to give them significantly less than that. And the Biden Justice Department stepped in and threw out that plea deal and gave them an even better deal. Even Jonathan Turley, liberal, is outraged by this. He writes on his blog, we previously discussed the case of attorneys uh, Collinford Mattis and Uru Rahman, who were accused of throwing Molotov cocktails into police vehicles in New York City. They were facing domestic terrorism charges and the possibility of 30 years in jail. This week, the Biden administration agreed to a massive reduction of the charges in a plea agreement that will likely result in only a couple of years jail time. What is particularly bizarre is that the plea agreement reduces an earlier plea agreement for a more serious offense, meaning they had already pled guilty and the Biden administration came in and said, wait a minute, they're really just committed progressives. Yeah, what's a little attempted murder amongst friends? Let them go. The plea deal by the Justice Department is a breathtaking reduction in the charges and expected sentencing of the two lawyers. Will they be able to keep their law licenses? Who knows? They should be going to jail for a very long time. They will not because they're doing it. they did their terrorism for the right team. They did their terrorism for the right team. But if you walked in an open door held open for you by a police officer on January 6, 2021, you are going to face probably more time than these people. There's a decent chance... You have been you've already served more time than these people have. You've been sitting in solitary confinement in Washington, D.C. Lindsey Graham, a guy who proves himself more and more worthless by the day, was tweeting the other day about the new Navalny, Evgeny Navalny or whatever the hell Navalny's last first name is. Uh, on Netflix, there's a, I think it's Netflix, on one of these things, there's a documentary about how Vladimir Putin has tried to kill this Navalny guy. Oh, it's so terrible. And Lindsey Graham was tweeting about how terrible it is, this political, these political prisoners around the world, these political this, these political that. I don't think Lindsey Graham has ever said anything about the American citizens arrested for essentially unlawfully parading in the United States Capitol have spent more than a year in solitary confinement. I don't think he's ever said anything about it. I don't think he gives a damn. Or he doesn't know, which is worse. You know, I'd rather him not give a damn. At least that's a position. If he doesn't know, then he's just an idiot who should not be in that position. But it's bizarre that he cares very deeply about Navalny. Oh, no, Navalny's going to... I, I don't. Let Russia be Russia. As long as Russia is killing Russians... I don't care. Get Russia out of Ukraine. It would be a better world. Am I willing to go to war for it? Nope. Not interested. Ukraine whines about they need more money. They need more money. They need more money. No. You need to step up. I'm sorry. You got to do something here. But we got our own members of Congress who are more interested in what's going on over in Ukraine than what's going on in this country. As the system of justice is clearly clearly being cut into two, one for Democrats, one for everybody else, not just Republicans. It's for everybody else. If you aren't loyal enough, you get the second track and you don't want to be in that second track because you'll be put in leg irons. Peter Navarro's in his 60s, I believe, and they put him in leg irons because what, he's going to run from the courthouse? He's going to get away? They put him in handcuffs. It's, It's not a murder trial. It is contempt of Congress. 
in a yet-to-be-adjudicated claim of executive privilege, but they've decided they need to put on a show. These people are a disgrace. You want to fit somebody in leg irons, you want to put somebody in prison, it should be the Attorney General of the United States and the President that enabled them. These people are the very definition of evil. We're watching fascism when we're trying to fend off fascism. Why are you uh, engaging in fascism? If you, that's not the way you do it. You don't fend off lung cancer by smoking more. You don't fend off cirrhosis by drinking more. You don't fend off fascism by being more fascistic. At least you shouldn't. Unless, of course, you're lying about it and you really are just a fascist and you're trying to cover for your uh, potential power grab. That's probably the more likely thing, isn't it, Democrats? Yes, it is. So like I say, we'll, uh, <laughs> I went off on it today. We'll go off on it again tomorrow in more detail because it's worthy of exploration. We're just out of time for today. But before we go, we do have one little bit of business to deal with. And Quinn and Bailey are here to help announce the winner of this week's book. The book they won is Hate Crime Hoax, signed by Wilfred Riley. And the winner's name, let's see if they remember, is... You can't read. It was two... It's me! No, you did not win. Quinn, you got a guess? Karen? Karen? Connolly. Connolly? Say it again. Karen Connolly. Karen Connolly, congratulations. You've got a message through Patreon. And uh, go check it out and respond. I need your address. You won, won uh, the uh, Hate Crime Hoax books by, book by Wilfred Riley. This week, it's another twofer. Dennis Leary versus two. Versus, actually three, technically. Versus a signed copy of Heavy Lifting, Grow Up, Get a Job, Start a Family, and Other Manly Advice by Jim Garrity from National Review and Cam Edwards from BearingArms.com. Couple of good dudes. And as if that weren't enough, it's signed by both of them. You, you get a hyperventilating Quinn behind me. What do you want to say? <laughs> I want to hit my... <laughs> All right, go hit your head. And the other book that comes with that is Joe the Plumber, Fighting for the American Dream, signed by my friend Samuel Joseph Wurzelbacher, who I um, thought of that. I was like, I know I got a, sign, a couple signed copies of his book somewhere. He called me this weekend or last week. And so I thought, hey, let's, get, let's get some Joe books moving. So twofer, you go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter dot locals dot com to enter to win you know how the rules go that's all the time we have for today i appreciate you listening thanks for sharing and spreading and give me those books back Bailey. you can't take them now i know you do you want to make a pile of them all right i'm going to go deal with some troublemakers in my office and we'll see you guys tomorrow 